Kia again, and this week I'm returning to one of Elizabeth Richard's most important topics, buying your first home. We've talked about the different schemes to help you get on the ladder, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still likely to be a lot of money. So I'm talking to Hazel Johnston from Legal and General. Hazel was previously a mortgage advisor and now helps other advisors grow their business. So she knows a thing or two about the cost of getting on a property ladder. So Hazel, let's kick things off about talking amounts. When we talk about saving up to buy a house, just how much are we talking here? really depends where you are in the country. As a starter, it varies so much. But I'd say it can be a lot of money. You can tell by my accent, I'm based up in Edinburgh in Scotland. If I use Scotland as an example, we're looking at about £34,000 roughly as an average. Compared to London, that jumps up <laughs> quite oh, a bit. Oh, London, that number is always a lot higher, isn't it? <laughs> it is, £144,000 on average. So it can be really tough to get yourself into a position to have those savings for that deposit. And I think as we look at generations gone past, some of our friends were maybe buying properties when rates were a bit better and property prices were lower. So we are in probably quite a different different space to what we were a few years ago when looking at the, the same, same sort of properties. Absolutely. I think I make it a point because I'm in the process of saving up for my first house. Congratulations. Thank you. And I make it a point to have a look at different areas I want to live in. I mean, London, as you mentioned, that number is very hefty. So not necessarily feasible for me, but any areas I do look at, I like to go on property search websites and have a look at the sold listings because then you know, it gives you like a, a good understanding of what properties in that area have actually sold for. Because I mean, we can look at the what's currently listed, but that doesn't mean it's going to sell for that. So that's kind of a, a little habit I've got myself into whilst I'm saving. So I kind of have a good understanding of how much that's going to cost me. But it is a lot of money but there are a lot of things that come into it so let's talk about mortgages maybe you can give us a quick explainer so Hazel what is a mortgage and what are the different options that are available to people yeah so mortgage essentially is just like a loan that a banker built society will give you to be able to fund your purchase because I think we'd all love to have a couple of hundred thousand sat in the bank to to buy these properties uh, but it's not the case for most of us so yeah banks building societies will lend that money in, in the form of a loan there are lots of options though so it's not just a case of if you're looking for that that set property it, you know, you can adjust things on that mortgage to make it affordable for you, such as the length of time, as one example. So that's called your mortgage term. So you could have a mortgage that's slightly shorter that will mean that your monthly payments are higher and you'll pay less back to that that lender. Or you can have lower monthly payments each month for that mortgage by extending it right out and taking it over a longer longer period of time so there are different options depending on on what your circumstances are and the budget that you you want the good thing with mortgages as well is you can get advice on them so if that's something that you are looking at and you want to have a think about what's affordable for you then absolutely you can speak to a mortgage advisor and they will be able to tailor your monthly payments to that that budget as well I think it's always good to know that you can get advice I think Things like this, buying a property is such a big purchase that you want to make sure that you're going down the right path for you and you're picking the right options for your situation. So I want to ask you, when it comes to mortgages, how does that actually impact your deposit? Yeah, so your deposit can vary um, and that really depends on how much you're wanting to buy that property for. So obviously the more expensive the property depends on area, its repair, you know, 
actually the desirability of that home, you are going to probably need a bigger deposit than maybe a property that needs a bit of work or somewhere that's in an area slightly out of, of a main town. The more you can afford to put in, then the smaller your mortgage is going to be. And that's always going to mean you can potentially obtain better interest rates than that lender and have a lower monthly payment. But that's not achievable for everyone. We've just seen how much deposits are on average. So what I would say is sometimes that's where we do see people opting to look at Bank of Mum and Dad. I mean, if you look at our uh, Bank of Family research that was recently done, about 47% of buyers under 55 years old had to get support from their kind of relatives to help them get on the ladder. So it's it's a hard one. I mean, it is hard to save up for that deposit. But what I would say is there are different options out there for people if needed. Absolutely. I, I mean, like I said, as someone who's currently saving, it is very difficult, especially when you have this massive number that you're trying to reach, right? Whether it's 20,000, 30, whatever your number is, it's a massive number. So if you have that help from Bank of Mum and Dad or family members or even friends who want to help pitch in, that's great. But what if you don't have access to that kind of family support? What Do, do those people risk being locked out of the property market? Yes, I'm really interested to use the word overwhelming because it can be so easy to feel so overwhelmed looking at the amount. And I was a first-time buyer actually not that long ago and I felt the exact same. I felt like I was saving forever eh, to get that property. But what I'd say, it probably comes to three things. I'd say, first of all, no, you're not locked out that market. If we're talking about savings and actually being able to financially get there, I'd say if you're anything like me and you've got a pot of money saved up, you want to try and, and keep that there. And it's so easy to dip into that or be tempted to um, if your friends, I don't know, book a trip or something. So I would always say try and save on the side. So have like your property savings, either in a, an ISA or whichever way that you, you choose to do that. But then there are some apps and tools that can help make saving on the side for your little luxuries really easy. I know, for example, with my, my bank, it will round up automatically the spare change, you know, to the nearest pound. And then that's my little fun fund because that actually builds up <laughs> quite does. a bit over time. It does. <laughs> um, so I'd definitely say trying to utilise little tools and techniques like that can help without it then feeling like a chore, trying to get those savings up. Thirdly, and the more practical part really, if you really can't afford to save or get to the savings that you want to are all the schemes that are available. So Skipton Building Society have launched a new mortgage product to really help renters uh, get on that property ladder. So it's a no deposit mortgage. There's lots and lots of details, which I'm sure mortgage advisors could help you with on that. But that's that's a great incentive in terms of that no deposit option. And then you've also got Lifetime ISA, essentially getting free money. If you put a thousand pounds, um, you, they'll give you a thousand pounds for every four thousand pounds you save. So it's 25% of your savings up to four thousand pounds each year. And I just think, People need to be more aware of that. And then finally, as I said, I'm I'm up in Scotland. Scotland's actually the only area that still have this. Um, I was speaking to one of my friends who's a mortgage advisor the other day. Is the lift scheme. That's something that people forget about. And that's the one by the Scottish government where they'll give you a percentage of, of funds towards that deposit in that home. So it's not just about buyers and purchasers having to do all these different things to kind of 
try and get in, into the industry. A lot of big industry names are also supporting new and innovative um, initiatives. So one being Generation Home, that's a startup mortgage company. So there's lots and lots going on to try and make it easier for people to get on that property ladder. So that really can help people out and we just don't often realise all that's all that's out there. I love that. I think it's so important. I want to talk about then, we've mentioned obviously mortgages, we've mentioned deposits, but there are a lot of other fees associated with the home buying process, as I'm sure you know, haven't been for it yourself. So what else should people consider financially when it comes to buying a, a property that isn't just a deposit? Yeah, so you've got quite a few different fees to consider as part of the buying process, I'd say, as a, a kind of first port of call. Standard ones like your solicitor fees, potential surveys and anything maybe that you want to put aside if you want to do up that property. The only way I could afford mine was to buy a property that needed everything done and I had to then factor in I need some funds to, to do that property up and make it livable. Another expense could be stamp duty. Always worth checking because if you're a first-time buyer, you may not need to pay it. But for certain property values, and if you're a, a home mover moving for a second, third, fourth time, uh, then absolutely it's worth checking how much that stamp duty is. It's dictated by property price and can also be dictated depending on if you've got secondary properties running in the background. So it's always worth going on your um, government website, depending on where you're based in the country, and you can type in the property value and it will tell you, based on your situation, how much stamp duty is payable. So I'd say they're your key ones and part of the buying process. You potentially need to consider lender product fees as well, depending on which mortgage products you're going to look at. Um, but again, as I said, mortgage advisors will keep you right. So definitely uh, speak to them, they'll, they'll keep you in the know. And sometimes you can add them on to the loan as well. So you've got options there. But then you've got to think about your more practical living costs as well. So in terms of the property, you may find there are, if it's a leasehold property, you've got your ground rent service charges. Up in Scotland, that would be your factor fees. And we're talking about a lot of first-time buyers here, but actually any home mover, if you are moving to a new area, it's really worth considering that your commute, nursery, childcare, all these other elements that may change in your life from that change of location as well. And then I would just say, if you're looking to save for a deposit to, to get to that point, it's really, really valuable to think about your finances now and what commitments you're getting into now, such as car loans, Klarna's a biggie. It's again, another very big temptation um, out there. I love the fact that you mentioned thinking about your finances now, because I mean, home buying off, often isn't, you know, I decided today I want to buy a house, I'll buy it tomorrow. It is a long-term process, but you've got to factor in, like you said, what commitments financially are you making now that could impact, you know, if you did take out car financing, that could impact maybe your affordability or just anything that you're committing to that could maybe detract from you being able to get on a property ladder or make it harder for you once you move into that property. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, who moves into a property and wants to sit on the floor for six no. months? You want to make sure that you've <laughs> exactly. got money to be able to furnish it. Yeah. So that's something you've got to think about now as well as think about future finances yeah. as well. And they'll impact your affordability with that lender too. So it's not even just about your own budget and being able to have your lifestyle and at home. If you go on lender websites, there's usually like affordability calculators. So if you are thinking of a certain car finance or loan or whatever it may be just check it and you can do that on the the lender website it's really easy quite often i love that that's a really really good point that you made there so hazel i always end our episodes with the same question which i'm going to ask you now 
What three tips do you have to help people get a little bit richer? My first one would be talking about that comparison piece. So I don't think you'll ever feel rich if you're always competing <laughs> to others. There'll be people that aspire to be where you're at and you'll probably also always be aspiring sometimes to where other people are. So I'd say that first one is just celebrate the small wins. Even if you've managed to save a tenner, that's a tenner more than what you did yesterday. So celebrate those. Secondly, I would say think about stabilising your income. We do sometimes see people suffer illnesses or have to take time off work. You know, COVID was a massive time for that. And what you don't want to have to do is to dip into those savings you've worked really, really hard for. Take out things like products like income protection policies and it just it's a little bit of a safety net just in case you fall ill you don't want to have to touch those savings that you've really worked hard for and then the third one is seek industry help take advice from experts whether that's estate agents mortgage advisors solicitors ask around because everybody's been there for the first time at some point if they've owned a property and I would just say always ask. Hazel thank you so much that has been Really, really good tips, especially, you know, celebrating the small wins. I think sometimes we always have a big goal, but you can celebrate the small milestones as we get there. So, you know, like you said, I'm going to celebrate the fact that I'm saving. Yes, yes please that's, do. That's I'm going to take <laughs> home. I'm going to let my well, my friends know I'm saving. This is the small goal I want to celebrate. Yeah. And I think that will keep you motivated as you keep going. Definitely it does. So thank you so much thank for coming you. on. This has been such a great episode so thank you so much next week i'm taking a look at things women specifically need to know about money if you're not a woman don't hit skip there'll still be some handy tips for you too i promise don't forget to follow and review the podcast and i'll catch you next week